the frames. Music, movies, culture, and faith. Featuring your hosts, John Gibson and Joel Flores. Hey there, welcome to Between the Frames. My name is John Gibson. I am joined by Joel Flores. And we are here to bring you an episode on Logan. Yeah, hey, this is a little bit of a follow-up. Um, not that we're going to like hang around the MCU or the Fox now MCU-owned. Oh, right. <laughs> um, you know, that whole thing, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Logan's... I'm excited to dive into Logan, man. This is... Uh, it kind of came up accidentally a little bit, didn't it? The it, reference? It did. It well, did. Yeah? Yeah, I'm, I'm tr- I was trying to remember how, how it happened, but... you know, Oh, the, emotion, the emotionality. Right. It, yeah. Well, and and I, uh, you know, it's funny because after we had kind of made that decision that we were going to go here next, um, a friend of mine actually uh, had a Facebook, you know, Facebook always reminds people of stuff. And and she posted a a memory where uh, Logan was actually one of her favorite films. So, of course... I'm, I have no problem with shameless promotion, so uh, I awesome. <laughs> I chimed in underneath <laughs> it and said, "Hey, uh, we're recording an episode on that soon." So, um. well, that's good. Yeah, and we put up uh, you know a little bit of a teaser on our social media, and I'm I'm just going to plug that now. If you're enjoying our podcast, or you want to know more about it, or even get in touch with some of our uh, other episodes, we have 16 out there now. Uh, you can just find us at. Between the Frames podcast that's on Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And it has our contact info too, John. It has our email that you can write to us or you can always DM us there as well. If you have any questions or input or feedback, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, let's jump in. Um, you know, uh, this, I think uh, Hugh Jackman had been playing Logan um, and Wolverine in the the X-Men movies and this was kind of his his uh swan song right his his last yeah, um, I call it the grand the grand opus huh? the grand opus yeah and so up to this point there were he was actually in five Wolverine or X-Men movies prior to this right so X-Men yeah, 1 so, 2 3 so he was in X-Men 1 2 3 um he was in Days of Future Past which is Right. Probably one of my favorite okay. X-Men movies ever. And then he was in um, Wolverine Origins, the Wolverine, the Wolverine. And I yeah. think this is the third one. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And James Mangold, who who has um, has done. Uh, he oh, did briefly that. for one second oh, in X-Men First Class, by the way. Oh, when they when they're going to find and recruit people and he kind of flips them off in the bar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <clears throat> um. But, you know, Mangold um, has done, I was looking up some of his movies. Um, he did The Wolverine, that movie, um, which which fared much better than The Wolverine Origins. Um, I don't think people were thrilled about that. But he did, I don't, you know, we're, um, we're going to be talking about music and, and, and music like movies this year, too. So Walk the Line is actually a Mangold film, too, which I don't think I, I had realized before. But um, but good stuff. Like, I was like, wow, he did 310 to Yuma. He did Identity. Um, good stuff. It's funny. I have all of those. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even realize. I'm, I must be a big James Mangold fan. Seriously. I didn't even think about that. I know. But I, ha- I have those all on DVD. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and you know, this is... This was the first um, R-rated. Um, I don't know if it was the first R-rated. No, besides Marvel. besides Deadpool, right? Um, and right. it, you know, it. Earned, I think because they're both Fox too. I think Deadpool's Fox too, isn't it? Uh, so I think so. Now one of those things, that. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, there's a uh, obviously it earns that rating within the, <laughs> within the first few minutes of it, um, and and I. You know, it's it's interesting because I, you and I have talked too before on episodes, Joel, about um, the different things our kids are into. And I was talking to my boys about this, and um, my oldest uh, has the the graphic novel of called Old Man Logan, um, which this is very very loosely based upon. Like it's, I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff, I guess, that's in that graphic novel that's 
that's not here um, in in Logan. I don't think it. I don't think it misses. I haven't read the um, the graphic novel myself, but um, anyway, um, the the whole absolutely yeah. I mean, just kind of a summary too. I mean, Logan is um, older now, and and you can tell that he's older. He's he's kind of being poisoned by something that he's not a hundred percent sure. Well, the adamantium, right? Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he doesn't know right away what it is, but I think over time and over the course of the film, you you figure out that oh yeah, it's the adamantium that was injected into his body that. Um, is now really poisoning him. So, um, right, because he's losing his ability to regenerate as right, he gets older. Right, um, he still can regenerate, but it's it used to be immediate and mm-hmm. it was constant, immediate. So that's why he was able to live with that. That's why they experimented on him in the first place, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and so you see him and just the struggle of of being older and breaking down because of that. And then you see Dr. Xavier um, played by Patrick Stewart as masterfully as always. And, um, and, and he's kind of dealing with uh, like dementia. Um, yes, that's right. So never thought about it too. What if, what if someone like him with oh my gosh. the most powerful mind who could pretty much wipe out civilization, what if he gets dementia right. or something like oh that? My you, gosh. Just, you don't think about those things. And I love how this movie it, you, you know, because the X-Men movies exist in a, a semi, like a real world, too, because there's New York and all the real actually, uh, the real actual cities. But it's still, this movie had a realism to it um, in, a, in a way like kind of like the Dark Knight mm-hmm. series did. Like yeah. it had a realism in that sense, but it still felt like the X-Men universe. So it was interesting to watch it because I hadn't thought about that. And obviously, if I may add to this as we're setting it up, you I don't know about you, but I noticed right away there was this this mood that was set, obviously right from the get go, mm-hmm. of of just this sadness, this this almost dystopia. Yeah. And there's a reason for that as the story develops, but you're like something is off here. Right. Something is amiss. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And well, and it's funny because if if you're familiar with the film and if you've seen any of the the trailers. Um, they used Johnny Cash's version of the the Nine Inch Nails song, "Hurt," um, as the the music for the trailer. But that that song was actually never in the movie. But the way that it um, it portrayed the movie in the trailer was, I mean, amazing to me. I think because it really set up just yes. what you were saying, Joel. It it set up that idea of like something's off there's a sadness here i mean there's just um there's just a really poignant and powerful thing like yeah kind of tone that's being set there so yeah and so even that is very it has a that's the reason why i say it's kind of a grand opus because if you think about it like i've been following the x uh, i'm actually wearing an x-men t-shirt i didn't plan to put that on (laughs) while we're doing this but it's one of my favorite comic series and you know man i love that the cartoon that was on Fox, you know, they have it on Disney Plus, which is awesome, um, back in the 90s. And I remember, you know, just how um, drawn in we were. And, you know, the X-Men is really, it's always been a metaphor, right? It was, mm-hmm. it, it's always been a metaphor for social and racial um, injustices or inequalities. And obviously, as, as society has has continued to move forward, there's probably more added to that umbrella, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's about this this thought of okay there's these people who are marginalized because they are a certain way mm-hmm. and it's you know society is afraid of them because you fear what you don't know oh yeah and if you think about it those themes still exist with us today oh, in gosh, humanity yeah. and yep. obviously sometimes there's very much reason to be uh there's very much reason to be like concerned about things you don't know mm-hmm. i mean that's a natural inclination but um, sometimes that can drive us to an irrational fear. And I think mm-hmm. that that series and those comics have always demonstrated that. Whereas e- even within the X-Men or the X-People, <laughs> right. X, you know, whatever they want to call it, it um, 
but X-Men is one of those things where even within you have infighting because you have a certain ideology within the group and then you have another ideology and it divides friendships and it divides relationships and it divides. And I don't know if you see where I'm going with this, but mm. this kind of theme in humanity still happens and mm -hmm. it has to do with ideologies and outlooks and their perceptions. And really, they want to accomplish the same goal, but one way is more malignant and another way maybe it looks more... You know, fluffy yeah. duffy. I don't know. Right. You know what it is? Oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah. funny as I was talking about it. I'm thinking, okay, and so we're still going through this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. And I think that's like, I mean, like you said, we fear what we what we don't understand kind of, you know, and um, and the fact that. It's yeah, a plight it's, of humanity, man. It's a social picture, I mean, of, of this. And so the themes of, of the film are so are so rich too, I think, in that even in its kind of darkness and despair, um, there's still that element of hope. And we, we can talk more about that as we we get in. I mean, the you know, the premise of the film, like I said, is it Logan's kind of deteriorating, Dr. Xavier's deteriorating. Logan runs into a woman right. who asks Logan to bring her her and her daughter to the Canadian border because her boyfriend's out to kill her. And um, the boyfriend eventually comes, kills her, and Logan uh, takes the girl. And um, Dr. Xavier already knows that she's a mutant before, uh, before Logan really fully realizes it. But, but you know, she doesn't talk at first for a good portion of the movie, and then, you know, eventually she talks. And, um, and... You know, I there's if you've seen the other X Men movies, um, th there's always this, and I think we may have talked about it in in one of our past episodes, maybe even yeah, I think it was in the Spider Man episode where we talk about like these roles that sometimes we have to play in life, and we're somewhat resistant to those roles. And I I think if if ever there's a character who who displays this in full force, it's it's Logan. Um, yeah. Who who's so resistant to the fact that I mean years ago there was an I think there was it was either a rock star or an NBA star or something who's like I'm not was it Dennis Rodman who said I, I was not I'm not a role model right um, yes yep yeah yep. and and in Which some is funny Dennis Rodman is so tame in comparison <laughs> oh my gosh yeah uh, but but to I some people eh? <laughs> I think um, you know in some ways like Logan has kind of almost embrace that ideology. Like I, I'm not a role model. Don't let me be a role model and don't force me to be the leader. I mean, he's very much a reluctant mentor and leader. And yet he constantly finds himself in that role of, of having to do that. If you go to the X-Men movies, um, it's, it's a similar trajectory. I feel like to what happened with him and rogue in the X-Men movies where, you know, he mm -hmm. rogue like needed somebody to kind of be a, a father figure to her. And Logan was reluctant about it, but then he finally embraced it. And, and we see a similar path in this movie, I think where this little girl, Laura really needs some kind of positive male figure in her life. And Logan, I mean, He's just pissed off half the time, so so um, he just yeah, doesn't want yeah, to be it, that. That that's right, and I think you you make a really good observation that that's oftentimes positions that we can be put in, or or you're, you know, we call that a typecast too, right? Or or maybe we're even professionally typecast that these are the mm -hmm. only things we can do, and maybe sometimes we're reluctant, or you know, John, there there may be times where you're like. Well, I'm sure there are times you enjoy music. I'm sure you enjoy leading worship. But it's one of those things where you're like, man, I would just like to have a team who would like take Do, care of that yes. so I can work on this part of my role, right. past, you know, pastoring, leading, shepherding, that kind yep. of thing. Yep. Um, I'd like to rotate in. I'll jump in and support. But it'd be great if I had somebody to take the reins because, you know, I'm always looking to hand that off as well. It's not that I can't do it. It's not that I don't want to. But there's even times where you're like, okay, I really don't want to do this this week. Yeah. And obviously in this setting, 
the the irony is is through all of that. So Logan is a big loner, and I, I think that's what the origin stories try to show is the the why, um, the breakdown of relationships, the fact that he loses everybody he gets close to because he's lived so long, right? Mm-hmm. So he ha- he's real hesitant to develop those relationships. So when he opens up his heart even just a little bit with Rogue, and then you know has a real cantankerous relationship with the X Men at first, and then eventually. You know, he's not only part of them, he he transitions into this very strong leadership role, a sacrificial leadership type of role. And so, you know, the thing about Logan, though, is he does care. Mm-hmm. Like, he cares deeply, and that's that old trope of, you know, you think he, he cares so much, but he's so damaged and hurt that he's his only way. It's that classic, everybody who gets close to me gets hurt. You know what I mean? It's that kind of a thing. And so by this point, he's sick. He's not feeling well already. He's, he's losing his, the last of, you know, his fatherly figure, which is professor X Xavier. And uh, you're right, man. Patrick Stewart is, I, Absolutely love him, yeah. man. I his show Picard, by the way. I'm so excited that season two is coming out. I know I'm Star Trekking it here, it's okay. but fantastic. Really? And so, anyway, he he he's it is, dude. He's brilliant, and so like, I just and it, it, it is. We've gro- we've gone with them on this journey, right? Mm-hmm. We've gone with this this whole thing, and and you see this happen, and it becomes like. I know it sounds cheesy, but it becomes like family. You're family. seeing oh, your, yeah. your uncle and your grandpa old, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, well, wh- what do we? And then you realize, if I may, as the story starts to develop, you realize that most of the mutants are wiped out. And mm-hmm. there's a reason why they've been wiped out. And that's at the core of the story. And I think of the guilt and the brunt and and just the, the you know, what do we do when we're running from pain? We try to bury it, right? Mm-hmm. So Logan, who could never probably get drunk or have drugs or anything like that because you know what I mean to numb it because he regenerated you know at this point he can actually be drinking and stuff Mm -hmm. like that which would be the normal abuse kind of people would take on themselves because of his slowdown and regeneration you know he starts to feel he's able to numb it in some kind of way if that makes sense so there's a connection to our humanity and oh my gosh he's really depressed about something um, something traumatic's happened, and you're asking the question, where is everybody? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm like, so where's, what happened to? Right. And I'm not going to dive into that yet, but as this story develops, um, and then there's the question of who's Laura. So that mm-hmm. wraps in. I love the girl who played Laura, a Spanish actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, definitely Latina. I'm thinking, um, I don't know if you wrote her name down. I should, I, I should probably pull I that did, up. But, um, um, I'm going to, I'll grab that. But she, I'm hoping... I really hope that they do this, that they develop um, her character because, you know, Mutant X basically, if you know the comics, you know, is basically offspring there. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I hope that they develop it because I thought she was awesome. Oh, yeah. So uh, and most people did. Oh, yeah. She was she was really incredible for. Yeah. Her name's Daphne Keen. Okay. So, but yeah, yeah she's actually a British story, Spanish actress. So, mm-hmm. yeah, right, right. I knew it was I knew it was of a Spanish background, but mm-hmm. um, that was kind of the the idea. And obviously, in the movie, more of Latin American, Mexican descent, whatever, wherever they are on the border there, right? Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's just a cool. It, it's different. That's right. the thing. It's different. And the reason we jumped into this, man, is because we were talking in Spider Man No No Way Home. You know, you had made that great observation. I don't think I've ever seen a, a Marvel-esque movie where I've been so emotionally moved or there's been so much on the line where mm-hmm. it's taken you through the gamut of emotions. And that's where I had mentioned, well, Logan was one of those. And we were like, oh, yeah. So, you know, oh, yeah. maybe we should jump into that one. Right. And and I think it, 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 it speaks to the fact that you can have these comic book hero movies with a lot of depth. Because let's be honest, everybody really connects with these stories whether you really like superheroes or not mm-hmm. yeah well and i think what you hit on before about you know and i think we said the same thing with um some of those marvel other marvel characters like when you feel invested in the story and invested in the character you feel like they've become you know part of the family it's why 
regardless of the crappiness of the scripts in Star Wars, like people when, you know, the, the different things that happened with Luke and Leia, which I won't necessarily spoil, but um, that people are just emotionally invested in, especially the big three in, in the last trilogy, you know, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. you know, I know we always, ju- I know we always jump to that. I actually, I know a lot of people were upset about this, but I, th- th- here's, here's what I think was supposed to happen. It was supposed to be the Han Solo story, mm-hmm. the Luke Skywalker story, mm. and, and the, Le- and the princess, the Leia Organa story. And that mm-hmm. was supposed to be the third one. And, and, um, and I think probably Luke was still supposed to be alive. I think his big send off was supposed to be in the third act of that chapter, mm-hmm. which would have made total sense. Yeah. Um, but it was supposed to focus. Each one of them was supposed to have um, a focus on them as the three kind of not handing it off, but having an intricate part in moving the story. Like, like Luke was more of the Yoda factor uh-huh. was supposed to be in part two. And I think he yeah. would have shown up in three. I think that was probably a plan if I could guess where story's going. Okay. So I feel like out of those three, I know everybody always says Force Awakens just a New Hope rehashed. And mm-hmm. yeah, it is, but it it has its own individuality and I actually really like it. Yeah. Okay. So come at me. But the thing right. is, <laughs> I like I like Harrison Ford's role in that movie. Mm-hmm. And people were mad that he died. I was shocked. Mm-hmm. I mean I went, <gasps> yeah. but the thing is it actually drove the story. And if you it think did. about it, how do you become a Sith? How do you truly become a Sith? Mm-hmm. You have to kill that which you love. And, you know, I thought... I'm going to give J.J. a little props. I thought he did the best that he could mm-hmm. having to jump back into Rise of Skywalker. That moment where he changes back and he's standing and, and it's Harrison Ford. I didn't think he was going to be in it. And he's talking to him and it's like that redemption arc. Do you know why? Because to me, spiritually, I know this sounds crazy. I had a parallel in my mind where Peter betrays Jesus Mm -hmm. and denies him three times. And then, you know, when he resurrects, Jesus finds Peter on the beach. Yeah. And and he asks him three times, do you love me? Right. Mm -hmm. It was like that redemption arc. Right. And I know you're going to go, you're just watching a sci-fi movie, but you can look for those things is my point. You know, it can be, and those are not, let's, let's face it, John, those are not the worst, like written movies. They may not be the plots we wanted, but you know, I'm sure we could find a lot of other films where we're like, yeah, (laughs) I don't know what people are talking about. Yeah. Well, and I I mean, what you, what you kind of bring up there too, Joel really makes me think about, um, yeah, and what was the word you you just used? I, I mean, this I the, yeah the redemption story, the redemption arc and stuff. But but like you need, you know, let's let's face it. I mean, a two hour time slot to see a full redemption of someone is just not enough time. I mean, and so that's why that's you right. think about the effectiveness of Logan in bringing to a close that kind of redemption arc that that Logan has has just resisted throughout almost every single X-Men movie regardless of whether it's a good script or not he's he's had that resistance and um and then to see that and I think like you said before that idea of you know, you're seeing it's it, it's watching your relatives um age and and coming to grips with the fact that man like life is cruel and it like it it does you know the aging process can be cruel on the body and and you see somebody like yeah like uh dr xavier who's like you're like this guy had a brilliant mind he taught he he invested in in the next generation and um yeah he was always very altruistic in his approach towards things right it's it's like seeing um you know pastorally speaking when you have a a great shepherd mentor in your life that you just really respect right Mm -hmm. not somebody who's perfect but somebody you're just like man it's like seeing them older and fragile and frail or just you know maybe being in a wheelchair or whatever it might be you're like wow like you know and then if they start to lose their mind it's a whole nother thing because you're like that that part of them that was really the essence is now gone it's like death before they're gone right Right. and and that's the sad thing is for logan this was the only man who was like his father Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and and had stuck with him and he 
Yeah, it was like a big chore to care for him, but yeah. that's what Logan wanted to do. You know, and there's that poignant scene in the film when they're on the run and they have Laura with them and they stop at that farm mm-hmm. and they're with that family. Yeah, Eric, know, Eric LaSalle, by mind. the way. Eric LaSalle from yeah, Coming Eric to Lestral, America. Dude. Yep. That's right. Good. Yeah, good call. <laughs> so th- there they are, and he. Um, here he is with them, yeah. and you can tell in the back of Logan's mind, he's like, I know it's not safe here. We really should move on because they're going to endanger anybody they're around. And you start to see them come together as family is what happens. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment, there's there's a brief moment where it's just, I can let my guard down for a minute. You know, what if, what if life could, could be like this? Because mm-hmm. what's happened is... Most of the mutants are wiped out, and and the reason has to do with Logan. Yeah. It has a lot to do with Logan and and Xavier actually. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with Xavier, and Xavier is unaware of it. And every time he regains his consciousness, he starts to remember. Um, so I, I don't know if you mind me sharing this, but spoiler alert: if you haven't seen the film, um, be, Xavier always had this ability, especially through Cerebro. If he concentrated hard enough on any group of people, he could wipe them out. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is with inability to control himself. Logan's always getting him this medicine, which basically stabilizes him. Mm -hmm. But we see him go into convulsions where he goes into basically um, if you will, like a seizure. He starts seizing. And when he does that, everything freezes. Like people, everybody's in pain specifically. You know, the mutants, everybody's like, like it's like this intense pressure and you can see and, and Logan is the only one who's able to resist it. Mm hmm. Because of his regenerative abilities, it's kind of like in part three when he goes when he's against Phoenix, right? Which yeah. is Gene. Like he was the one that had to deal with it because he could actually resist it. So, you know, it's this thing where it's sad because you start to realize they're all dead. They're mm. all dead because he killed them mm. <laughs> Un- unknowingly. Yeah. And and that's th- think about that. So that's that loss, mm-hmm. which which leads to an anger and a bitterment bitterness. And 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 Logan has a resentment. For Xavier, as mm-hmm. much as he loves him, he also resents that because it's put him in this position where he's all alone yeah, again. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In comes Laura. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I think your point about about Xavier kind of being the father to Logan. I mean, if you think back to some of the past X-Men movies, too, and and Stryker, who is really the guy who originally created Logan um, the difference in that, like you had Stryker who was very much not an altruistic character. He was, he was very selfish, self-absorbed. Like he wasn't creating Logan for Logan's sake. He was creating Logan for his own sake. Right. I mean, Oh, it's all about the weapon, right? Yeah. And, and then Xavier is just not like that at all. I mean, he, yeah, you think about the track with with um, Xavier and um, uh, Magneto um, also, and how he's always tried to help people find a better way, you know, and and to find a way to take something that they have and um, and use it. And um, I just I think it's a it's a beautiful picture too. And it makes some of the things that um, that Xavier says in his lucid moments to Logan that much more like powerful and painful. I mean, early on in the film, um, you know, when when Logan's trying to give Xavier the medicine, Xavier just looks at him and he says, "What a disappointment you are." And, and I mean, like. That was a heavy, heavy saying because, first of all, none of us like to be told that, right? Like, oh, man, you're such a disappointment. But we, we definitely don't want to be told that by people that we, whom we respect or love or care for. And so, you know, that's kind of hanging over the film as well in this, like, okay, Xavier called me a disappointment. How am I going to respond to that? And I, I think ultimately we see Logan respond in a, in a positive way, which again, that's very much a pattern in these movies that like he's, he's reluctant, but he always ends up 
doing the right thing kind of thing, you know? Yeah, man, such a good observation. Isn't it true for any, any of you out there who have had to walk with a parent that you've lost and maybe the responsibilities come on your shoulders, you as siblings or as, you know, as their children have had to walk through those days with your mom or your dad who have, who've lost their mind, you know, have lost their mind to this disease and have probably said things like that, that they don't know that they're saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And from moments that they're thinking about or who knows what they're thinking about, but it's piercing and how you have to continue to move forward and realize that's, that's not my mother talking or that's sure. not my father talking and, and the sadness that it brings, but knowing I need to take care of it. it, it, it it's kind of like we teach, you know, this isn't about you. Mm -hmm. this, what, what he's saying is not about you right now. This is about something bigger. And John, you really bring something to great light with, with Xavier's approach, even with um, Magneto with Eric, his best friend. Mm -hmm. That's what's so poignant about that moment in Days of Future Past when it's about yeah. to end and 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 Magneto gets hit because he just protected them all and he's about to die and he, and they look at each other and he says, all this time that we wasted mm -hmm. fighting each other, you know, to have a precious few mm -hmm. years mm -hmm. together like this as friends, you know, and, and they shake each other's hand and that's one of those moments too where it's just... It's pointing, and obviously things reset, so we we know that it ends better. But but you think about their differences. I mean, even the way Eric's character Magneto is written, you know, he he was uh, a Jewish boy taken with his mm -hmm. family into concentration camps, who had to live through that and experimentation, and and so he 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 had this approach of we need to band together, but we need to band together because humanity will always try to wipe us out or put us down or, or, or get rid of us. And we need, we need to show them that we are stronger. So let's group together. So it was almost this, um, it was the brotherhood, right? It was almost the, we've seen this in society, haven't we, where, where groups come together and they're like, you know, you know, pro this community or what it may be. And we need to band together. But there's, there was an approach that Xavier took. Obviously his experience was totally different. Mm -hmm. um, but his was, we need to find the gold in everybody and we need to show people that we are a benefit to this society, you know, looking at it from an optimistic point of view. But one of the things, you know, and whether, whether either one's the right method, I think they've both been right and wrong many yeah. times. Mm -hmm. But the one thing you spoke of that really made me think about it with Logan is here's a guy everybody just gave up on and thought was mm. the worst or just wanted to use him. Yeah. And what you see with Xavier is he always looks for the gold in people. Yeah. No matter how far you've gone, there is a redeeming factor, no matter what you've done. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a great lesson for us oh, in gosh. ministry. If you're in business leadership, if you're working with people like you know, we all fail. And yes, there are some things we can't really come back from. There are some things we're going to have to pay for if we, we, we really do something bad. But the idea is, you know, who, who think about who's in your circle. Mm -hmm. What are their redeeming qualities? What's the, what's the gold that you can find in them yeah. that can be a blessing, not only to, to you, but to their lives. And mm -hmm. I think that that's a great message of yeah. these stories. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. And Oh man, like my brain's firing in all different places as you say that. I'm Joel, sure it too. is. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, um, you know, I can't help but think about times that, uh, and just my own growth over the years too, of, I think it was post-college that I finally came to a place where, I, I mean, I, I met somebody who, you know, had that potential to always be kind of the joker, funny guy and every, and a lot of times that, that, that humor was inappropriate. And, and I like, I don't know what it was. I, I mean, I, I'll call it the Holy spirit because, because of where I am and stuff, but, but, um, right. It really made something caused me to stop, step back at that point and, and ask the question why, which I think is such an important question. And I, I mean, Again, we're, we're going deeper thinking about someone like Logan, but like when you encounter somebody who's got kind of all that angst and bitterness and rage and it comes out in different ways, instead of reacting, and I was telling somebody the other day, I think we, I mean, in our country, we suck at dealing with the root of a problem. We're really good at looking at symptoms and saying, how do we fix the symptoms? But we rarely will dig deeper and look at kind of the iceberg underneath the surface and say, what, 
what's causing, what's the what's the root of this problem? And I think to, to, to your point about what Xavier does, looking for the gold, and I mean, there's an analogy there too. And like what, what the people, when they prospected for gold, it's not like, I mean, sometimes they had to dig for that. They had to find that. And I, who is willing to invest that energy and time and resource into somebody who may be a diamond in the rough? I mean, think about that Aladdin, right? Like that was the big theme in, in the Disney movie Aladdin. Like he called him a diamond in the rough. Like, a diamond in the rough is someone that's going to take, they're going to need that investment. And Xavier, like you said, he he pulled the gold out of people. And mostly, I think, the, probably the most difficult one, yet potentially most rewarding one, is Logan. In, in what he did in investing in him, in being a father figure to him, and, and then... Um, yeah, eventually. Well, and you know, I mean, there's probably a sadness there too, because it, again, spoiler alert, but like Logan eventually smothers Xavier. And so, you know, there's Joel, and this becomes a theme for us too. You've lost your dad. I've lost both my parents. There's, there's something to be said about not seeing things to fruition in some ways, like not seeing the resolution of something. So Xavier never sees what who Logan fully becomes. And I think that's really kind of demonstrated in that, that kind of final battle and the relationship. I mean, it's really, really interesting that Logan's fighting himself in that last battle because, you know, it's definitely a metaphor for his life in a lot of ways. Like all of his life, he's been raging against himself in a lot of ways and so in that you know he's fighting his younger self and um and has to um finally come to grips with the fact that like i've got to kill myself again let's pull pull in the bible part of it right like i my my call to follow jesus is a call to die and so like i've got to kill the old man i mean which is basically what Logan does right. He he kills his old. It's incredible self. the layers. It's oh incredible gosh. the layers when you think about it. That's what this show is about, though. Like this this is the stuff that you know, and that's what I love about you, John. Too is is I know there's a lot of you out there who you're critically thinking as you're watching something. I mean, there's things we just sometimes take in as entertainment, but if your mind is active and moving and, and, and it comes as a, as a strong literary skill that you develop, especially in reading, right? Mm-hmm. Is you're always looking um, informatively between the lines. What is this story trying to tell me? What is mm-hmm. it trying to say? The action sequences are great, but honestly, I don't, I've gotten to a place where I don't like just movies that are just all action, the right. whole thing, and has no story anymore. Yeah. I, I don't. Um, I, you know, I can enjoy as much as the next guy, but it's the story that drives it. It's the why. Why am I invested in the fact that he just took out 30 guys in a room? You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Or whatever it might yeah. be. Some of the most poignant moments, dude, that broke my heart. And first of all, Hugh Jackman is just oh, a top tier actor. Absolutely. So, you know, those moments with Laura, those moments with Xavier, the pain in his eyes, even at the end when she, you know, loses him and has to, you know, you know, when he has to tell her, I'm not a good guy, you don't want to be around me, you don't want to be near me, like, get away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and then he does everything he can to make sure that they make it. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes the end so powerful when he, you know, injects himself with that stuff that gives him temporary full yeah. regeneration. Right. And, yeah. he, and he's, his number one goal is to protect those kids is to help them make it to this next place because he knows that that's what Xavier would have wanted him to do. He knows that that's, that's the essence of who he was as an X-Men was the pouring into that next generation, making sure that they, that they make it right. And also it's also giving a one last, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to lay down my life because these guys, like they need to be stopped at all costs and it it still hasn't stopped. Mm -hmm. And you are dead on, man. When you talk about, you know, not diagnosing the real issue, but just covering it up with stuff. <laughs> I mean, man, we do that in our societies mutually, not only with medical issues, but psychological and oh, social gosh. issues. Absolutely. And and I've talked about this in other episodes, man. But, you know, just because we've made mistakes or historically or ancestrally, 
you know, we've done things generationally that have been horrible to groups of people or have societally been horrible. Like, call it what it is and get on with it. Like, move on beyond that. You have to first own a thing and then move past it. It may have nothing directly to do with you at all, and that's okay. It doesn't make you weak to say, you know what, this happened. This is awful. This is a part of our history or our society, and now we as this generation are going to move forward and, and, and move past this you know there needs to be healing it's like it's like i don't know how we as people just human beings i mean do you teach your kid just to you know if they've done something wrong just ah, just pretend you didn't do anything just move on (laughs) right no you don't you don't and that's what we're telling society is you know what that didn't really happen to black people just move on you know what i mean or we're not really thinking we're not racist we're not thinking about that stuff or we've never marginalized anybody or how about this there are people in society who believe that the Holocaust never really even happened. That one, you want to get Charlotte to jump through the screen? Oh, sure. <laughs> that one will do it. Because when she has actually walked mm-hmm. the actual concentration camp sites and seen all the shoes and the suitcases that are still there and everything like that, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, it's easy to say, to, to cognitively block it and put it away. But what does scripture teach us? That we need to face we need to face our sin. We need to face yeah. what we've done wrong. It's not right. if if we've done something wrong. Right. We need to face what that is and reconcile it. We need yep. to have it reconciled. And the only way you can do that is to say, you know what? I'm guilty. Yeah. I'm and, and by the way, John, that doesn't mean that, you know, just because you're a white man does not mean that you personally have had anything to do with historically how, you know, colonists have treated Right. Immigrants or sure. whatever it might be, sure. or slaves, right? Yeah. But you can sit there and go, you know what? But historically, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh. somewhere in my genealogy, there's probably some, there's probably something, and probably for me, you know right. what I mean? So, so what does that mean? It means, you know what? Now I, I can take ownership and be part of solution moving forward to leave uh, the world a better place, to leave our country and our society a better place. That does not make you weak. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. Our North American society says it does make you weak because it's all about being strong and pulling yourself up from your bootstrap. Sweep yeah. it under the carpet, move on. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> so. I mean, yeah, what you said before about like how do you teach your kids really, I mean, when you said that, I thought to myself, you, you know, and, and maybe you've seen this with your kids. I'm pretty sure it's happened with mine where like one of them does something wrong and then they get caught, someone's angry and, and they're like, well, well, I said I'm sorry. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like simple words are words. Like we can throw words out 100%. all freaking day long, right? Like, and I can say I'm sorry, but is there an action behind my I'm sorry? Like, is there a, a, a mourning, a grieving, a lamenting over, hey, like I somehow contributed to this and I, I feel bad and I'm repenting. I think the other part of what you said before that there's the reconciliation part, but then the 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 moving forward away from that kind of action is the repentance part that we're really called to as 100%. followers of Christ. So, yeah. And I think that's and 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 the truth is that's good for everybody whether you whether you believe in God or you don't, whether you have a a, a faith in in someone or not. I mean, we can all agree as people who, who follow a moral code, which is a whole other question of mm-hmm. where does that come from? But anyway, yeah. the point being is that we can all agree that if we really mess up, the real way to fix it is to address it, yeah. you know, and, and uh, if we can, if we can, if yeah. there's a way that we can do that is to address it, to own it and to move on. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the lessons we teach children. That's what we learned in school when we were young. And so why do we think that doesn't apply to us as adults in a society, in a, in a, in a country setting or whatever it might be. Right. right. Oh yeah. And so this story, this story, really shows that man because you have a broken flawed character if ever mm-hmm. there was a flawed superhero it's it's Logan yeah. who reluctantly was a hero and um, I think he probably started out altruistically and mm-hmm. then I, you know that's the best part of what, what Wolverine X-Men Origins shows is there was this altruism in this happy-go-luckiness and I think this bond with his brother whether mm-hmm. Sabretooth was really his brother or not but right. you know the idea is is that they it became bitter when he started to be used, when he started yes. to lose people in his life, when it stopped having meaning yep. and he was just going through the motions, wake up, rinse, wash, repeat. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. And, you know, and then he had purpose. 
Then yeah. he had purpose and he lost his family and all that loss led to anger and resentment and bitterness. And now he's lost Xavier. And then he discovers that Laura is his, mm-hmm. I mean, genetically is right. his. Yeah. And now in the waning moments, he doesn't want to leave her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And so right. you have this, you have this redemptive arc where he once again takes on the mantle of you know self-sacrificing leadership and the the story there is is that i think that we need to be we need to be mindful that selflessness is an important part of real family mm, mm. selflessness and sacrifice is a real important part of a successful family and family in the sense of whether they are blood related or people who have come into your life who are like family you can't have relate whether it's your your church family and your fellowship i mean what drives that it's selflessness mm-hmm. it's it's sacrifice and willingness yeah. and um i was just teaching the kids last night we had it we had an online youth group man and you know it was just a few of them and the one thing i was talking to them was about you know i told them i said in this lockdown times and these these past couple of years where we've been more restricted and all that kind of stuff I said, you know, I've been really selfish. Mm. I've really, what's, what's, I'm already can be selfish, but what's happened is I think so much about me and my issues and my problems. And we do have to take care of ourselves. But mm-hmm. I said, you know, scripture's countercultural. We're to not look at each other, you know, we're not to look at ourselves as better than others. We're not to live in vain conceit. We're to, you know, as Paul talks to the Philippians, right? We're supposed to think sure. of others as better than ourselves. Right. So the message there is, is we need to care for others. And in a perfect world, John, as we care for others, they're caring for us. <laughs> right? Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Well, and I, you, one of the points you hit on, I want to just speak to for a minute, Joel. And go for and it. I, I mean, that idea of family and stuff. And I, one of the last things that Xavier says to to Logan is, you know, when they're staying in that farmhouse with Eric LaSalle and his family. Logan's putting Xavier to bed and Xavier looks at him and he says, look, this is what life looks like, Logan, a home, people who love each other, a safe place. You should take a moment and feel it. And and these last words kind of ring through the end of the film. You still have time is what he says to him. And, Mm. you know, again, the cynicism of Logan, he responds and he says, you know, the, the world's not like it was like where we're going, Eden doesn't exist. So it's interesting that he even brings up that kind of Edenic paradise that um, that people are always kind of pursuing utopia. And for a cynic like Logan, I mean, it's impossible to actually get there. So, but I think that's what the resolute, one of the resolutions of this film is that he finally comes to grips with the fact that like, in family you love in family you care for one another and in family you pass on which is basically he's kind of passing that torch on to laura um to say and i i mean there was a uh i don't know it could have been just me that it you know because my brain's always thinking about other movies and whatnot but like this moment towards the end of the film right before that big kind of finale fight where all these like young mutant kids kind of come out of the woodwork and Logan's there with Laura and he sees all these kids. It, it reminded me of the movie Hook in some ways when, you know, Robin Williams played the older Peter Pan and he comes back to Neverland. And that's a good one. And the kids are are like squeezing his cheeks and pulling him. And and one of them finally looks at him. He says, oh, there you are, Peter. And, and I'm like, you know my mind immediately went back there because I felt like Logan stepping into that and seeing the future, basically, as he looked around at this circle of, you know, basically lost boys and girls, um, he's seeing like the potential. And, and I think there's a pressure that probably was taken off Logan by seeing that because all of a sudden he realized this doesn't end with me. You know, and honestly, that's probably a pressure that all of us put on ourselves where we're like, you know what? I have to do this. I have to be the one, you know, it's all up to me. And then we look and we see our kids or we see other kids that we invest in and we say, you know what? Like, it doesn't all finish here with me. Absolutely. I think that that's such a great observation and an important part of the story and as as it winds down you realize you're you're left with a sense of question mark hope 
knowing that, you know, the final sacrifice that he made is making a way for for this generation to kind of be reborn, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense, to Mm -hmm. have a chance, to have a chance to survive. Right. And I mean, again, historically that speaks to so many things that have happened throughout, you know, the so many courageous acts that have have happened throughout time. You think of a Corey Ten Boom and her family, (laughs) you know, being willing to lay things on the, on the line and say, we, we can't save everybody, but my gosh, we're going to, we're going to help anyone and everyone right, we can, right. um, you know, during the Holocaust period. And there were many people like that. You think of Schindler, Schindler or, you know, yep, Oscar Schindler oh, totally. and Schindler's list. Yeah. I mean, and there were so, there were so many people, right? right. And not enough, but there were many. Right. And, and, you know, and I'm sure families who have a lineage to them will tell you, this is why this was significant to me. We survived because of this, you know, uh, because, they were willing to step forward or as we would say, you know, God use them. Right. Um, uh, you know, you think about Harriet Tubman, you think about, you know, people who were abolitionists who were willing to help, um, black and white. You think about, yeah. I mean, it's interesting to be up here. Like I was telling you in the Maritimes, uh, Halifax was a big area where, uh, the underground railroad was the stop. Mm -hmm. That's where they Mm -hmm. came up to. And a lot of people don't realize we have, you know, huge, um, uh, black populations, African-American populations in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's because of those things. Like there was, there was abolishing of slavery up here much sooner, but the other part is, is it was, it was there. People came from those deep South areas all the way up. And it's amazing to look at the legacy that, you know, families survived, people had a chance. And again, I'm just giving you two examples. It's happened in many different ways, yeah. but that idea of if, so, so it speaks to this, John. We may think, I can't change the world. Mm-hmm. I can't make a difference. In your church context, I, I'm never going to, am I even reaching anybody? I mean, right. is this sinking in? I can't, mm-hmm. I can't possibly take care of all these needs. But you know what? The, the message is this. But if you don't do something, nothing will ever happen. Right. But what if you did something, what if you did something that you were able to even just a minute micro shift, mm-hmm. what kind of difference could that have in the end game? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And and how can that change things? And so it, it's it's those micro shifts. I think that's a good message for, for leadership. You know, uh, I'm reading a book right now that I would encourage you, John. It's called No Silver Bullets by Daniel M. And he's a, oh, yeah, he's actually a, a he Canadian yep. pastor, theologian um, from here. But he talks about five small micro shifts that will mm. change the trajectory, right? And yeah. I think that, you know, not to hit on Marvel too much, but if you think about Endgame, that was the whole point. It was a mm-hmm. bunch of micro shifts that changed everything from <laughs> from what had happened to uh, to how they kind of regained everything and ended that. Right. And it took sacrifice. It wasn't, right. you know, squeaky clean. So this is a I, I highly recommend the movie because it's not just a superhero movie. It mm-hmm. is. It's a pretty powerful drama, actually, with action. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, um, you know, it, some people may not be into old movies. I'm I'm not sure about all of our listeners, but like um, this movie parallels a movie called Shane, which was an old movie with Gary Cooper um, about this loner. And, and I think some of the most, I, I mean, the ending of this movie probably ranks up there in my top, easily ten, maybe even five, like best endings of a movie of all times just because of this connection back to Shane. I mean, when, when we did our episode on, um, on warrior, uh, one of the things that we saw in that was that the director used Moby Dick and the fact that Nick Nolte, the father character throughout was listening to the audiobook of Moby Dick. And it would constantly brought him back to that. What's who's my great white whale kind of thing. Um, and, in much the same way Mangold uses the story of Shane, this this older, probably 19, I don't know, 60s um, uh, movie about this loner. And the after, at the end of the movie, after Logan dies, Laura is standing there at his grave and she recites the last line of Shane. Um, that Shane says to this little boy, he says, there's no going back from it, right or wrong. It's a brand, a brand that sticks. 
snow going back. Now you run on home to your mother and tell her, tell her everything's all right and there aren't any more guns in the valley. Gosh, I get choked up like just reading. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I know it's it's a pretty powerful scene and it's you know it, it, yeah. Well, you've just taken this whole ride right, and and again, it's a credit to the acting mm-hmm. on both of them because yeah. the emotional payoff is. You know, if you didn't care, you're like, oh, well, that was cute. Right. The end. Sure. No, there's a there's a big emotional payoff oh, to it. Big right? time. Yeah. 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 And it's a good whether uh, whether Hugh Jackman actually comes back as Wolverine or not. Sure. There's a big emotional payoff. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think, again, I, I mean, you know, the our, the whole premise of of what we do, what Joel and I do here is just digging deeper to say, hey, like. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Because the way that our brains work brings us to those deeper things that we see between the frames and are, you know, connecting things outside and all around um, that we're seeing. And, and I think this movie is, a, I mean, it's a good its a good movie. Again, it's not for the lighthearted. There's a lot of violence in it. The language is definitely R-rated. But, but again, I, I think... I don't think it detracts from the story. I think it 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 no, enhances it's much like it. a it's much like a war movie. Mm-hmm. It's much like a war movie where it's got that kind of R rating, and it's it's a reason because it's it's the realism of it, right? It's right. the it's the dark side of humanity, but it's not anything that's inappropriate aside from that. So I would I would give that caveat, and I would say as we're winding down the episode too, John, you, you know, I wanna I wanna just give a shout out to any of our listeners whoever's tuning in you know we'd love to hear back from you mm-hmm. um we're not assuming that we're the only ones who see things this way we know there's so many of you that that read and listen and watch in in, in a critical way i used to teach my students in middle school all the time you know critical thinking is one of your most important weapons in life like mm-hmm. to be able to think critically and john to be honest with you a lot of the problems we have that get gossip gossip perpetuated mm-hmm. <laughs> online and in media is the fact that people don't think critically yes. or read Preach. the whole post, yes. read Preach. the whole thing. I mean, I have a guy that I work with where I sent something and I sent the stats and it had even my explanations with it all the way down and he writes right back and goes, well, what about this one? Oh, never mind. A follow-up email. I, I didn't read the bottom. Yeah. And, it, and it just goes to show you and, you know, this person will say all the time, oh, I don't know what the post said because I didn't read it. I'm like, well, if you're not reading it, then why are we posting it? So, right. yeah. you know, there's a problem where we skim and we skip. Yes. And then the ability to think critically. And also, John, like we used to teach in research, just because some doctor says it or there was some article somewhere or something, does, you know, Charlotte always goes, a doctor of what? Psychology? A doctor of like, right. you know, yeah. <laughs> chiropractic like what she goes dr seuss like who's the doctor so you know i'm just saying that as a joke but i'm saying you know we need to we need to and it is hard man it's hard these days to know to know what's what to be honest and uh i'm certainly not saying that things don't have an agenda either way but you know just i want to encourage that critical thinking a great way to do that is read read watch listen you know yeah, and don't assume. I mean, that's I think that like like we said before. Again, like with people with issues, whatever it is, like when you see it, don't just listen to one side that you've heard and think that that's everything. Like like to Joel's point, like be critical in thinking. If I mean one 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 approach I've adopted kind of has been, hey, like if I see something, can I? Can I read something or find something somewhere that will present the opposite side of things? And um, over the years, I have intentionally tried to read books that I know I'm going to probably disagree with um, because I think it's helpful because each and every one of us has blind spots that we might be missing something. So um, what what can that kind of convey? So, yeah. Um, I totally agree. Hundred percent. If 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 you see something, and if yeah, push back too. Like if if some of our listeners feel like yeah, I think you missed the boat here or whatever. Hey, go ahead. We're we're fully uh, 
ready for, you know, that kind of engagement to say, hey, like you missed this or, or whatever. So um, appreciate it. Or whatever it. you have to add to it too, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, we want to thank you for listening. And that's the biggest part is we'd love to hear from you. If you're enjoying the show, please, whatever platform it is, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Google Play, um, you know, subscribe to the show so that uh, you can stay in touch with our latest episodes. Check out our Facebook page and give it a like uh, between the frame podcast and also on Instagram between the frame podcast. Good way to stay in touch to know what's coming up and to get in contact with us. Our emails there and our you can always DM message us for sure. We'd love to interact with you. Yeah, and, and if you get it, share it, please. I mean, you know, if there's, uh, I know that um, we've had some shares too and appreciate when you do it. Um, it always looks better when you all are sharing it rather than Joel and I all the time. So it's not complete shameless promotion, but um, if something strikes you, if you think it'd be helpful for somebody else to hear, we'd love for you to share that. We appreciate it. The only way others are going to hear uh, our podcast for right now is is when other people share it. So um, thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Joel, as always, uh, as we continue to dig between the frames to see what we find there. So thanks for joining us. And uh, I guess we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Between the Frames with John and Joel. If you like what you've heard today, please remember to click subscribe and give a share and a follow on social media. Each episode will look to dive into the deeper meanings behind movies, music, and culture as it relates to life and faith. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.